down to business. I got my wild cherry diet Pepsi, and uh, I got my blackjack gum here, and I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. Oh, you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? Anybody move, I'll blow your fucking head off. And the medic gets out and says, oh my god. I'm your huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Pauline, this calls for the old Billy Barul. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Oh, yeah. Nah, it ain't over. Don't worry, people. Just starting. It is a THT movie review. It is Friday night, late night here on THT. What's going on? Anthony. What's going on, Boxy? <laughs> What's going on, bro? How you doing, man? Doing pretty good, especially for Friday the 13th. I don't know if you checked that. It is. It's Friday the 13th. There was a full moon out tonight. Did you know that? No, I didn't. There is a full moon out. So all you crazy fuckers out there, take it easy. We know what you're up to. Don't be using Friday the 13th and the full moon as an excuse to go out and commit crimes. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah, and I wear a condom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't use that as an excuse nine months later. Maybe it's Friday the 13th. It's not my fault. <laughs> you scared me. You fucking scared me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I told you we shouldn't have fucked on the 13th. <laughs> I told you it was bad luck. God damn it. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Let's move on from that uh, before my fiance hears me and comes in here with a fucking knife <laughs> aiming at my nuts. Um, anyway, uh, Anthony, we, we are about to talk about a movie that I suggested the other day after watching it on Saturday. 
um, that I believed is right up your alley. You are a fan of the mafia gangster type movies. And uh, Black Mass, uh, starring Johnny Depp playing Whitey Bulger, is that type of movie. I don't know what took me so long to see it. My dad was like, holy shit, you have you haven't seen that movie yet? <laughs> I'm like, no. So he's seen it, but um, now I, I realize one of the reasons my dad has seen this movie. Uh, my family, I've said before, is from the Boston area. We're actually from the south, south-ish Boston area, Randolph, Dorchester. Um, so... You know, there's a uh, there's some right there. Uh, most of my family's in Brockton and Sharon, which is all that South Boston area. Congratulations but, for not adopting the accent. Uh, we'll, thank we'll, you. We'll luckily, luckily, I moved from Boston when I was six. Uh, it's funny. Every now and then, certain words my parents say because I mean they were there forever. They were born and raised there. You know, but. Um, Every now and then, my parents still say the uh, the Boston accents. Like, my dad will mean to say short, but he'll go, Oh, it's shot. <laughs> I'm like, what did you just say? I mean, it's short. <laughs> so, who do you think has the most more distinctive accent? Boston and New York. Oh, I think the Boston accent is way more distinctive. The South Boston accent, you know, they call it Southie. You'll even hear in the movie they call it Southie all the time. Uh, yeah, this is the South Boston. Listen, I, I told you this off air, and I'm from there. I have tons of family from Boston, still living in Boston. It is one of the most illiterate-sounding accents in the world. <laughs> no offense, but it is. And you people, you, you know, you can't help it, but... Uh, it, it it really is. New York isn't much, but New Jersey is pretty bad too. But uh, the Boston accent is horrible, absolutely horrible. Uh, my grandmother still has it. My grandfather had it. My on my my dad's side, my, my you know on my mom's side. I mean, my both my grandparents on my dad's side both you know died in Boston. Uh, so they had it bad, but um, my grandfather, my dad's dad, actually used to hang out in a couple of bars that Whitey Bulger would come in. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. Now, when my dad would walk in, he would immediately tell my dad, "Leave. You look at that man wrong. He's going to shoot you. Leave. Leave the bar." So immediately, my dad would get the fuck out of there. So, uh, but you know. His dad would stay and uh, obviously never had any problems with him. I've heard some pretty crazy stories about Boston back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s that are really, really insane. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's one of them where, uh, you know, he, right there, you know, my, my grandfather hung with him. Um, now, we'll get into the movie in just a second. Now, in the movie... I don't know who, you know, uh, we're more going to talk about Whitey Bulger because the movie's, number one, it's two-hour and five-minute movie. Number two, it's a true story. So we can pretty much just talk about Whitey Bulger's life and uh, Whitey Bulger. 
But uh, Whitey Bulger was an informant for the FBI basically from 1975 is what they're saying. Now, him and his crew did not consider it informing because they were doing it against their rival gang, the Anjulios. Um, Now, my uncle also represented the Anjulios in one of those cases. My uncle's 85 years old, still practicing law, by the way. Just so you know. Uh, So, yeah, still practicing law, 85 years old. So he's been around a long time. Um, you know, and I, I what? No, I said it's funny you should say that because, uh, our boy Whitey, he's actually 87, turned 87 back on, uh, September 3rd. So, uh, yeah, both you and your, uh, both your uncle and him going strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You obviously grew up right around the same time. So, you know, right around the same age, obviously. Now I was telling also Anthony, my uncle also, um, uh, has, uh, done some bigger cases, um, one of them is the, uh, I was just telling Anthony about this, the rapper Benzino. Uh, I guess his nephew shot him. Yeah. Is that what happened? Well, he was the uh, attorney for uh, for Benzino. So, you know, there's that. He can, my uncle also consulted on the movie The Departed. Because he was the attorney for the, for, uh, the, uh, the people in that movie also. For the crime family in that movie. That is a Scorsese movie. I need to watch that too. That's another movie all about South Boston, the Southie area, the Irish gangs infiltrating. Maybe I'll watch that tomorrow. I'm uh my kids are gonna be away for the weekend. That might be a good Saturday night, get real drunk and watch a movie. So and there's also this I haven't mentioned to you. There's a, a, a book and a TV show called The Art of the Heist. That is about an art dealer, actually an art thief, who um, was running around Boston doing that. Uh, The New England area, my uncle actually was the attorney on that case and actually consulted on that book. Uh, This was actually all in Milton, Massachusetts. I actually, my mother went to Milton, you know, Milton High School. I went to Milton Elementary when I was there. So this was right in my neighborhood, all this stuff, too. So the art of the heist, another thing he's done. But, uh, I mean, that's just a few things I know about him. But um, I guess let's go ahead and get into the movie right now. One quick thing I want to say, two quick trivia. I know we usually do the trivia things at the end, but there's two that I want to mention first before we get into the movie. Uh, I said starring Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger. That is correct. He tried many times to actually speak to Whitey, uh, the real James Whitey Bulger while preparing. Never happened. And uh, to make sure Johnny Depp's performance was true, uh, they actually, the, the director Scott Hooper hired some of Bulger's old associates and consultants to the film. Each of them praised Depp's performance saying, that's Whitey. So he obviously did incredible in this movie. And, uh, you know, I, I really completely enjoyed this movie. There was nothing about this movie. I didn't know much about Whitey Bulger at the time. So, you know, I, I, and I still don't. I've been looking into him a little bit in the past few days, but 
this movie, this guy, this guy was paranoid about being caught. As most mob bosses are. He was a, you're right, like they are. He was a viciously, viciously violent person. Uh, had zero problems killing anyone. You know, and anywhere there wasn't a witness, he would kill you if you pissed him off. Yeah, and it's funny you should say that, you know, because I know we normally do. you're going to get to your NYPD Blue uh, tie-in. Oh, of course. I'm actually going. I'm, I'm going to uh, tie in into a little Goodfellas here. Now, um, real quick, you know, you have, you know, how you said Whitey's just like real paranoid. He would kill you at the drop of a dime. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I will give this movie credit for over Goodfellas is Goodfellas actually downplayed Paulie. Because in the real Paulie, in real life, was a vicious killer. He's basically Whitey. Right. Times like 10. But in the movie, they kind of portrayed him as like very like soft-spoken, laid-back. You didn't really see him get too upset. Right. So whereas that, Paul, they kind of placed Paul Servino against type. But this one, I'd say, is more accurate to the uh, character he's supposed to be portraying. Yeah. Like yeah, Mance. exactly. Yeah, I bumped my mic with my headphone there sorry about that didn't mean to blow anyone's ears out sorry people yeah yeah they did yeah this they really showed the violent side (laughs) of him and i really think that's what they were trying to show in this movie was that violent side of him uh you okay box i thought you was saying too much and somebody was coming in that back door on you (laughs) is someone No, I'm not talking about the lady friend. I'm talking about uh, <laughs> some some connected guys. Like, oh, he's he saying too much. No, 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 no. Got to uh, shut him up. <laughs> quick NYPD Blue reference, like I always do. Corey Stoll uh, in this movie, he played Fred Weishak. wasn't a huge part, but he was in. Uh, he was actually in one episode of NYPD Blue. I actually know remember, remember the episode. Uh, he played a uh, mentally challenged guy whose brother was killed, and he kept asking Sipowitz if he had weed. You guys got any weed? Yeah. So, yeah, there's your NYPD Blue tie-in. Yes, it's in every goddamn movie. Yes. And uh, also, Kevin Bacon is in this fucking movie. Of course. Is there anything that Kevin Bacon isn't in? I mean, we've said before, you can... I mean, the Kevin Bacon game lives. My NYPD Blue game still lives. And Kevin Bacon, the basically who I'm doing this for, is in this movie. Uh, uh, who else is in this movie? We got Johnny Depp. We got Benedict Cumberpatch. I just like saying that name. <laughs> Dakota Johnson, Kevin Bacon, Rory Cochran. Who uh, he was Slater in Dazed and Confused, and he oh was, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And he was Speedle in CD in uh, CSI Miami. What we got here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, W. Earl Brown. He's another one people know. Adam Scott, among many others in this movie. This was a big cast. This was a uh, a very 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 good movie though. Um, Basically, let's go ahead and uh, get into the, the start of the movie. We said before that Whitey Bulger was an FBI informant since 1975. It actually ended up being his guys ended up informing on him. And basically, they didn't find it as ratting either. As we're going to go ahead and the movie starts 
with this quote, which will... Now, he's sitting in the FBI room. They have hit the tape player, and this is what you hear to start the movie. Before we start, I want you to know something. I'm not a rat. You understand? I want that on record before we start. Okay. You are not a rat, and it's on record. <laughs> Mr. Weeks, the charge. All right, and that was Kevin Weeks. Uh, once the gang finally got rounded up, the you know the uh, the Winter Hill Gang, as they became to be known in the Southie area. Um, Kevin Weeks and actually all the guys ended up ratting on Whitey. By the way, no one called him Whitey to his name, uh, according to John Connolly who was his FBI handler, um, calling him, that's going to do nothing but get you a fucking smack. Yep, yep. The, and that was basically an exact quote right there. So no one really ever called him Whitey to his name. But um, as usual, we got Weeble in here spitting some facts for us. Whitey Bulger's assets were actually auctioned off June twenty fifth, 2016 raising $109,000 for his victims. Among the items on auction were a rat-shaped pencil holder, <laughs> went for 3600 a 1992 excise bill, tax bill from the city of Boston for 160 bucks, his lock-picking kit for 125 bucks. I have one of those. Uh, as part of a lot including 95 mini flashlights, a pocket knife and a Leatherman tool. So, he's a city autograph or anything? <laughs> I don't know. Doesn't everyone carry a lock pick kit with them? No, just me. Okay. Hey, <laughs> okay. box. I don't know if the statute of limitations is up on. No. you got a lock lock pick kit. I'm course. just no, dude. You can go to Harbor Freight and get one for two ninety nine if you know what you. Please, please, <laughs> um. You know, the, the, this movie starts off with violence. Um, basically, Kevin in this movie is... Uh, it starts off with him trying to get in. Not trying, but, you know, obviously kind of cuddling up to uh, Whitey Bulger. He's a bouncer outside of a bar that Whitey is in. Someone tries to get in. And they end up into a, in a fight. He beats the... He's getting his ass kicked. Yeah. We should point out that it's like four or five dudes beating him yeah. up, though. Yeah, it's four or five guys. He was holding his own at the beginning. Uh, come to find out, the guy that he was actually in a fight with... Now, he doesn't just get into a fight with him. He will not let him in the bar. The guy is doing his job, what he's yeah. told. Yeah, and basically he won't let him in the bar because apparently there was an incident the night before mm -hmm. where I guess the guy got a little too hammered, uh, pissed in the middle of the bar, and they said, no, 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 you can't come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's basically what happened. Yeah, and by the way, Weebs, I am not endorsing lock picking. I have a lock pick and a Slim Jim. Not the Slim Jim we, you You trying to trap him again? <laughs> but you, everyone should have both. Look, you get locked out of your house, you can get locked out of a car. Okay? You should be able to get back in both. 
Jeez. Anyway. You gonna learn a lot tonight, folks. Thanks, Boxman. Gonna learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, you can learn how to, learn how to pick locks. <laughs> the, the legal way. <laughs> it, it's really not hard, really. I mean, how do you think? I'm gonna I'll break down a wall here. How do you think magicians get out of all those locks? They pick the locks. Yeah, yeah, that's how they do it. Sorry, didn't mean to ruin anything for everybody. Uh, anything, anyway. Um, you know, comes up on next day, and uh, Whitey picks up um, Kevin, and obviously he is shaking in his shoes because you know Whitey obviously has a reputation in this uh, in this town, so. You know, he picks him up, and he's also got another guy with him. I believe his name is Tommy. Isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Not our Tommy, but... Right, 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 I wish right. it was, but uh, no. Oh, it wasn't geez. our Tommy. <laughs> <clears throat> Not our Tommy, but another Tommy. Uh, Whitey gets out of the car, has Kevin. He goes, no, 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 you drive, you drive. So uh, he does get... He gets in, he starts the car. And and uh, they're driving. They drive to an empty lot. Now, the empty lot that they go to became known as something called Bulger's Burial Site. Literally, that's what it became known as. So many bodies were buried in this area that that's what it became known as. They take him out there, and obviously this Kevin kid thinks he's about to get his ass kicked, and they start beating the hell out of this other guy. Well, Whitey starts, and he looks at Kevin, and Kevin knows what's up, and he starts beating the shit out of him. So right there, he knows one thing. And it's even said, actually, I'll give it a minute. Uh, We can actually get to that. But they beat this kid like he's fucking Joe Pesci in Casino. So, uh, Bob, would you say, hey, you broke the cherry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Was his, that was his breaking the cherry moment. Exactly. Here, let's see here. Meet Joey Angelo. Let's see. And he basically tells him, uh, you got some kind of loyalty, and I like loyalty. So... Kevin actually becomes his right-hand man, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, basically, that's what he becomes is his right-hand man. Um, now, let's go ahead and get into the informant part of this. Uh, we, you know, we, we kind of glossed over it in the beginning. The year is 1975, year I was born. Wee! Um... Whitey Bulger gets actually let's let's back up. Whitey Bulger goes to he, he's living in Bo- back in Boston, been out of jail about ten years. Um, John Connolly, one of his old friends, be actually gets moved up, becomes an FBI, and not only FBI, but he becomes FBI that's involved with organized crime. Yeah. Who obviously their job is to go after the mob, so they do. But Connolly 
tries to befriend Whitey in a different way. He basically, basically, he's got a plan to give Whitey a get out of jail free card for all the crimes he's committing, and he can take down his rival, the rival family, the Angulio family, while doing it, while he's out committing the same crimes they are. Or and worse, way fucking worse, actually. So that's pretty much what's going on. Um, Connolly ends up, uh, you know, convincing everyone that it's a good idea to get Whitey Bulger as an informant, uh, and even the director. I believe that's the part Kevin uh, Kevin Bacon plays director. I get, they just show him as FBI agent, but he was like a, a superior agent. He was definitely one of the superior agents in the office. Um, now, by the way, let's not forget one fact in this movie. James Bulger's brother is a, like a senator in Boston at this time. So, you know, big political stuff going on. He... Um, you know, John Connolly actually goes to his brother first. Why don't you let me talk to your brother? I want to get him on the informant. And um, basically, he tells him to go fuck himself. But Connolly goes around him and goes directly to Whitey. Uh, which, talk about a ballsy move from this fucking guy. You know, to go directly to Whitey. And tells him, I'm an FBI agent and going to be investigating organized crime. I mean, you know, my my grandfather always said there's a very fine line between balls and stupidity, and it can get crossed very quickly. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I guess he was just, I guess he was just preying on like human emotion. Like this, is somebody I grew up with, we was friends at one time. We took different, uh, like we took different paths in life. But he, like I said, he took a chance because at the end of the day, there are different stages in their life. <laughs> They're on. They're playing mm-hmm. for different teams, and that could have went very, very differently. Yeah, but he was obviously in, not even in the long run, but he was trying to protect Bulger while he was using him as an informant. Matter of fact, they went months getting nothing, nothing from Whitey, and um, and then suddenly all this shit started coming in. And again, he did not consider this informing Whitey Bulger because he was telling on his rivals, not on his own crew. Matter of fact, he even makes it clear, I will never rat on my own crew. You know, the only thing I will do is rat on my rivals. But, you know, so I guess you can, and and to, you know, to this day, he actually denies he was ever an informant because he doesn't believe he was an informant. To this day, let's not forget, he, this guy is still alive. This guy wasn't captured until 2013, I believe. Uh, no, actually, I want to say it was 2011. Give me one sec here. Hold on here. Plotcast, release. You might be right. Hold on here. Instead of me doing this, why don't I just type in, type in Whitey Bulger captured? 
Because <laughs> it was... Here we go. Whitey Bulger capture date was... You were right. 2011. Yeah. 2011. From 1975 to 2000. This man... Shh, woo! Well, the, I, mean, I mean, people talk about Teflon Don's... This is the original Teflon Don as far as I'm concerned. Well, he was, if you went from 1975 to 2011 before the cops caught your ass... Yeah, he was spotted all over the globe. I mean, other countries everywhere. But this guy... He had ran, a hell of a run. He did, and, he, and you know, I mean, this movie's what spanned out into, like, the uh, the early 80s, I believe, right? Yeah. 75 to the early 80s when he was finally, yeah, because, you know, shows him getting older and everything. But, um, you know, I, I guess back to where he's a very paranoid guy, what I meant by that was anyone, I mean, he took any little thing you did and could turn it into something against you. Uh, actually, I'm at the part right now where where Connolly is telling him. Now, Whitey didn't do this on a on his own choice, Whitey Bulger. Basically, he was between the uh, the proverbial rock and a hard place. Either John Connolly basically told him, either you help me and inform, or you're going to be brought. They're going to come after you. And uh, they're ready to come after you, bring you up on charges and federal charges, which is racketeering and everything he finally got caught with anyway. But so basically he, I mean, you know, that's a rock in a hard place. What do you do? You want to stay out of jail? You got to be a rat. It's either, we, you know, either you help us get the bad guys or we'll bring you bad guys. <laughs> Take your picture. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, um... You know that, that there was that part. Uh, again, never considered himself a rat. Never, never, because he was informing on, like I said, his rival gang of the Angulio family. Um, you know, we even go to a scene where he's in the bar with one of his crew. One of his crew gets drunk as hell. You know, some guys get really loud when they get drunk, and he, this guy does. He starts bitching, he says something to Whitey. He actually gets up in Whitey's face. They almost start throwing punches. And, you know, the guy's trying to apologize to him the next day, this and that. Uh, takes him out to Bulger's burial site. And uh, Whitey whacks this guy. Not <laughs> and we should, we should backtrack a little bit. It was kind of... It's kind of funny. I'm sorry. I have a sick sense of humor. Jesus. <laughs> I have a sick... Before this, when they... I guess him and his buddy, they pick this guy up, right? Mm-hmm. And before they pull off, he runs back in the house, his house to pick up a bulletproof vest. Yeah. <laughs> he runs back in his house to pick up a bulletproof vest. Because I guess he's assuming they're going out to put a hit out on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then after, <laughs> after uh, Whitey pops him in the back of the head a couple times, he just looks down at him. A lot of good your bulletproof vest did you today. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I laughed so hard. <laughs> I actually did too. I was like, that's so fucked up. Oh, God. What, what, what they call it? Like a gallows sense of humor? I just thought that was fucking great. <laughs> yeah, let me see. Oh, God. A lot of good your fucking bulletproof vest oh, did you. Oh, <laughs> fuck. 
Here, hold on. You're making me want to go to the park. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you pass that part. That was gold. I won't. Gold, Jerry, gold. Here, hold on. Give me one sec here. Promise. We good? Yeah, we good. Lots of good you've did you today, you fucking prick. <laughs> that was great. That was Pesci. <laughs> That's Pesci a good you best did so you today. Proud. That's a good that best did you today, you fucking prick. Yeah. And like he, I said, man, you know, and why there's a lot of there's a lot of good fellows in this movie. Uh, well, a lot of good. If they would ever make a good, this is probably as close as you can get to a Goodfellas sequel done right. <laughs> yeah, what an excellent. It's, I mean, th this is a great movie, and they just you know bring them down, bury them, and go on like. Uh, that's it. On with your day. Just another part of your day, burying the body. Um, but I guess it goes to show you, like, you know, as much as they say, like, you know, we're a family, for the littlest infraction, you can get yourself killed. I mean, I mean, it's not like, look, you know, you get in a fight with your friends or your brother or whatever, a family member. You know, after a day or two, it blows over. It's like, yeah, forget about it. I said dumb shit. You said dumb shit. Mm -hmm. People move on with life. But with these guys, they don't forget shit. No, and look, we all have friends with short tempers and this and that. But, you know, back in these days, a guy like this, a bad temper meant you were dead. And listen, like I've told you, I, I've heard many stories of how crazy South Boston was at this time. It was fucking Wild West down there, dude. Listen... There's stories of my my grandfather shooting people in bars, you know, to you know because they were, you know, trying to beat him up, kill him. I've heard some majorly crazy stories. Yeah, they probably, probably can be verified. <laughs> uh, I, I listen. I, there's some I'm I won't even tell that I've heard, just because I won't just. You know, yeah, my, no, yeah. My grandfather was a really good man, and I wouldn't want you know to tarnish his reputation. But yeah, you yeah. know, wouldn't expect you to. It, man, look, well. it was a different time back then. You did what you had to do. Not everything was a fucking prison sentence. You know. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, you know, I, even in this day and time and age, you know, kill or be killed. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, except now if they have all these... If it's a choice between you and the other guy, hey. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, back in these days, they would walk into a bar, and they would go, all right, anyone see what happened? Yeah, looking down, looking down, looking down. All right, that's it. Everyone, whatever. Go back to your drinking. We're out of here. You know, and that's it. Cops would do that. Now they bring in fucking crime scene, forensics, and you're fucked. You're fucked. You can't get away with shit anymore, so don't fucking try it. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you know, I guess not to, you know, sidetrack, but since we're on a topic, you know, 2000, we're in 2017, Box. Obviously, there's still, there's still an, an underworld. There's still a criminal underworld. You know, that's never going to go away. Mm -hmm. But do you, you know, if you, if you had to, if you had to put it on a scale of one to 10, how organized would you say organized crime is in 2017 compared to, say, like 1977, 1987? I actually believe they're way more organized i believe they're more cyber now than anything 
listen, yeah, there's still mob hits and stuff. I mean, John Gotti, you know, is probably the most recent one everyone's heard of. You know, I mean, he, and that was back in the 80s when he was running shit. But I, I, trust me, like, you know, like you just said, it's never going away. Never going away. And like, you know, basically Gotti used to say, hey, they're going to miss me. They're going to miss a guy like me when I'm gone. Yeah. A guy who brought it out front lets you know that we were here. Yeah. But... I definitely think they're still out there. I just think they're way more organized in <laughs> in a cyber type way. Cyber type way. <laughs> My bosses is a uh, uh, fucking sending Facebook uh, messages to uh, their crew. Like, <laughs> oh, they're probably on their own fucking <laughs> VPNs and shit. Twitter. That's fucking that, that. Just the thought of that would be hilarious. <laughs> a, a mob Dude. boss with a Twitter handle. Dude, I guarantee God he would have been a Twitter god. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, though, like you know, but you know the, the saying serious. goes, real bad boys move in silence. So I don't think he, you know, if he was still around today, I don't think he would even have an online presence. You would know he was around, but you wouldn't know he was around. I mean, even with like cell phones and stuff now, dude, they have the you know the, the disposable cells and you know, yeah, there's yeah. there there there's definitely ways to cover your tracks nowadays. It's just a lot. Harder, yeah. For one, it's cameras that we fucking wear. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I guess let's go back to the movie real quick. This is the. Let's go right to the part where he tells. Uh, one of his crew, the guy played by uh Rory Cochran of this movie, which is uh another one of his right hand men, Stephen Flemmy, and um. He decides to tell him that they're all about to become informants for the FBI. Um, and he even puts it as, you know, we're not, this this isn't like informant. It's, you know, th this is what it is. It's, it's telling them what's going on while we continue doing business as usual. Here, let's see. You can trust me. Good. Because there's something I want you to know. I'm making a deal with the feds. An alliance. You're informing to the FBI? No. There's informing and then there's informing. Informing, you should be fucking chopped up and put into a garbage bag. That's it. Informing, you're the scum of the scum. But it's not informing. When you're bringing down the cocksuckers who deserve to be brought down. Like the fucking Brits in the six counties or the goddamn Dagos up in the North End. It's a business opportunity. Get the FBI to fight our wars against our enemies. While they protect us and we do whatever the fuck we want to do. See? He had an agenda the whole time. Yeah. Obviously. Um, and Connolly knew it. And they basically hinted to that throughout the movie that he was going to help Whitey. Well, I guess we should be calling him James. I don't know. He ain't going to fucking come out and get me. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> the fuck? I mean, basically. I'll call him James just in case. Nah. Because it's going to know me. 
I, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Basically, he's telling Whitey Bulger here, you know, it, and he just said it. We'll continue doing whatever the fuck we want to do while they're not only getting information from us, but protecting us. And that's what Connolly was doing, was protecting Whitey Bulger. Every time there was a case against him, it suddenly got pushed to the side. And Kevin's Bacon character in this movie actually was way pushing against it, against it, against it. But by the end of this, he was... Not only, I mean, he was totally compliant by the end. They were, um, you know, I mean, Bulger's people were buying him trips to, uh, you know, out of the country and Switzerland and shit. And, you know, he was just as complicit as anybody in this. So somehow even John Connolly got his bosses to start agreeing with him. It's funny how money can change the situation. Yeah, no shit, man. But, um, you know, but man, but, but again, he, this, basically this was a safety net for him. It was making him feel safe and he didn't have to go to prison because of it. Yeah. You know, which was another good thing for him. And, you know, he was going to do federal time, but I mean, there, there, there's many a scenes where it's, you know, Whitey Bulger, his brother, the senator, and John Connolly all sitting together and, you know, having dinner, drinking wine and all this stuff. Um, now, another here's a really, this is going to be one of the worst parts of the movie for me. Uh, his six-year-old son. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you're getting to. Yeah, this, and listen, this was... This would probably cause any guy to snap a little bit. This is a stressor and a half. Uh, his six-year-old son, uh, I believe, is cancer, right? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. Cancer and actually gets sicker and sicker and does end up dying at the age of six years old. You know, um, horrible. But another part in this movie, I really... I thought he was going to kill his wife. Uh, basically, she says it's time to end his suffering and she'll pull the fucking plug. And he fucking loses his mind. Really? Like, I, I thought she was going to die right there. Uh, but he loses his fucking mind with her. She leaves him, so yeah, he's on his own. Let me see if I can find that part here. Let me see. But I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously this is only a movie. I wouldn't yeah. wish this on. Actually, here, here, right here. I support Jimmy. He's not going anywhere. You gotta accept it. No, I don't gotta do fucking nothing. Look at me, Jimmy. Please look. He's never gonna be a little boy again, ever. Oh. He's brain dead. He's on life support. He can't move. And I don't want him like that. I can't have my little boy be like that. Here it is. 
I'll pull the plug myself. I will. He looks up right here with a look of death. What did you say? Oof. What the fuck did you just say? This is an intense scene. I really... I thought they were going to find her body there. I, again, never knowing much of the story of this movie, I thought she was dead. But he... I, I don't want to play too much of it because we won't be able to go on uh, online, but really loses his fucking mind with her. So she's gone. His uh, His son is gone. And uh, he's losing his mind in the hospital. But again, this would be a stressor for any parent. Any parent. Yeah, and the thing of it is, I can understand both sides of the situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you have him. He's trying to keep his boy alive by any means necessary. And the mother, obviously she's not on a like, uh, killing spree. She, she's not in a rush to pull a plug. But at the same time, she's thinking about long term, his quality of life. Mm -hmm. Do I want him to suffer for the rest of his life, or do I want to do the humane thing and, you know, end the misery? Right, right. So, I mean, it's like, I, I hope that I or nobody, that anybody, ever has to have answered this kind of question, because mm. that's brutal. That's fucking brutal. Yeah, I would wish this kind of misery on my worst enemy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it jumps into 1981, where Whitey really starts fucking taking over. And I mean taking over. Um, now he did get slapped with a little, a little fine um, that got swept under the rug. Actually, let me see here. Hold on one sec. I'm gonna <coughs> excuse me. Find out. But yeah, he in 1981. He, this is when Whitey Bulger starts really taking the fucking reins over. Um, he wins a lottery and ends up sharing his $14 million lottery prize with people and he makes the papers. He was really... He was John Gotti before John Gotti. But he was only big in the Boston area. You know, Gotti was huge. Gotti made news everywhere. But uh, this was Boston area big. Um, and uh, he started giving... In 1981, he finally started giving Connolly some things. And Connolly starts moving up, too, in the FBI. Now, during this time, Whitey Bulger, in 1981, starts becoming very tight with the high guys down in Miami. Now, anyone who highlight is probably one of the most corrupt sports in South Florida. <laughs> Seriously, it is. It's one of the most corrupt sports in South Florida. Uh, he starts getting involved in that. So it's been corrupt forever, obviously. This is 1981 where he's getting into this. Um, but 
right before this time, I, I just said Connolly started moving up in the in the FBI. He didn't move up until his boss started laying into him about Whitey Bulger. He's getting reports of Whitey Bulger doing this, killing people, doing all kinds of crimes, yet they've got no information. Suddenly, Whitey Bulger starts pouring information into these guys. They're taking down all kinds of fucking people. And uh, Connolly just start moving up. He's like a fucking superhero in the FBI after Whitey starts giving him information, basically. You know. But again, every time they get something for Whitey Bulger, it gets swept under the rug. Uh, and this is another part that um, really kind of messes with Whitey. They're down in South Florida at uh at a, a little bar down there doing some high lie business and there's a guy there with them that they're doing business with and they start saying oh this guy is a big problem he's a big you know the, someone took over high lie and the guy's not a pushover and they say you know this 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 Kenneth guy he's uh he's not a pushover he's not going to sell and here, let me go to this part, actually, because to hear him say it is different. Okay. Give me one sec here. Bag, I want you to have it. Maybe a balloon head over here. So what's the problem with this Wheeler guy? What's his deal? He's got CPAs crawling all up my ass, all over the books, checking every fucking thing, the cash flow, the free meals, the parking lot receipts. Just a matter of time before he finds out how much cash is missing. Just making an offer for the company. Try it. Won't sell. Would his widow sell? Okay. That's the line. Would his widow sell? Half a fucking second it took this guy to go, this guy's dead. Wow. That's how fucking quick it can happen. And you don't even know it. He didn't even know it. But there was a guy there. I'm trying to get his name here. Keep printing money. I mean, what's to connect you to anything that happens Richie, to but you? I want to make He's sure. Tulsa quick. for fuck's sake. Everybody knows we have World Highlight. Yeah, I believe the guy's name was Kenneth Wheeler, and they were really trying to keep the... Because they were making... Fine. Here, take the bag. I want you to have it. Gives this guy a bag of what I think it was fifty thousand uh dollars. -huh. Basically, he's trying to tell the guy, "Take the fucking money, shut up. You didn't hear a goddamn thing tonight." Okay. Okay. A uh, couple days later, he's founded. Wheeler is actually the the highlight guy. Wheeler is actually found not found dead. Um, broad daylight gets gunned down middle of the middle of the of a parking lot by one of uh, Bulger's guys. So yeah. he's found dead, and this guy's... Uh, basically, this is what tips the FBI. They get a new... Uh, what is that guy? He's like a district attorney for the FBI. And they get a new one in, and he is basically after... Bulger. Um, 
But before that, let me backtrack. The guy they had there at the bar with them watching the news one night, what does he see? Wheeler has been gunned down in a parking lot. He starts getting all nervous. So where does he go? To the FBI. <laughs> Luckily, he runs into John Connolly, who starts running interference on this, basically saying the guy is full of shit. He's got nothing. Um, and yeah, this guy does end up dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, you know, I, 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 you know, to backtrack to something you said, you know, mm-hmm. he, you said, you know, within a half a second, he already knew in his mind this guy was dead. Yep. And once again, I'm a, you know, <laughs> a good fellas tie in. I think all mob guys subconsciously have a sixth sense of when something's not right. Go back to that scene at the diner with Henry and uh, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> when he basically told him, like, uh, uh, I think Jimmy, let me back, yeah, Jimmy wanted to send uh, <laughs> Henry down on a trip with Anthony. Basically to make it do a hit. Now, in all the years they had known each other, Jimmy never, never asked Henry to do something like that because he, he knew he wasn't that type of, that wasn't his thing. Right, right. He would steal, he would rob, but he wasn't, he wasn't a killer. He knew this. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, he's asking him to go down to Florida on a trip. And he, and he said it was at that moment, I knew I wouldn't come back alive. And even with uh, Karen, when uh, he was, you know, I got some furs down there. And then she goes halfway down. She peeks. She sees a couple. She knew. I mean, people have a sick. If you've been around this shit long enough, you kind of have a sixth sense about when shit ain't right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just kind of know. Now, not only. Now, Whitey Bulger was kind of known for not getting his hands dirty much. Uh, Obviously, he did a few times in this movie. The guy that was basically going to the FBI informing on him, he killed him himself. Basically went after him in a parking lot with an AR-15, then took out his Jesus. pistol, put two, put two in his head, and walked away. Walked the fuck away like, who's going to fucking tell on me? He didn't run, folks. He walked away. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, yeah. Strutted the fuck away. Uh, B-Megs in the chat said he's never heard of this movie. B-Megs, I hadn't heard of this movie either. It showed up on my cable, and I hit info, checked it out, decided to watch it, and it's all about where my family is from. So I put the IMDB in the uh, the chat room there in Mixer.com slash THD podcast. So check that out. You can get, a, get, get to know the movie a little bit. Um... Uh, let's see, where should we go next with this? Now, here's another little part. They do finally get Angelo through Whitey Bulger's, uh, now, according to the FBI, Bulger actually, um, told the FBI where to put the, the bugs where they would hear the most information in Angelo's, uh, the Angelo's place. So that's, according to the FBI, that's how they got him. Now, again, he didn't consider this informing. Because they were going against his rival gang. Taking down that motherfucker, basically, is what they considered this. Um... So the so what's weird about the, not only did they have ties in Boston, but 
South Florida, too. So they had ties to both places I lived. Interesting, huh? Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think me, <laughs> we, we need to lay off some of the jokes, box just in case. I just thought of that as I did this. But anyway, um, you know, and C- Connolly was becoming more and more friendly. John Connolly, the FBI agent, was becoming more and more friendly with Bulger. And it was really starting to get worrisome to his wife because she could basically tell what kind of guy he was. Um, but, um, now Anthony, you said you haven't, you, you really hadn't finished the movie, correct? I haven't finished it, but I'm actually watching it in the background as we're talking about it. Okay. Um, there's a part where uh, Rory Cochran, who played Steve Flemmy in this right. movie, was, he had a stepdaughter. Right. Now, the stepdaughter is a messed up, drugged out prostitute. Aren't they all? Yeah, you know. And basically, he's in a car telling Whitey Bulger, look, this chick is, I've told her a few things, and oh, by the way, I'm banging her. <laughs> His <laughs> stepdaughter, by the way. So he also tells Bulger, she may know a couple of things she's not supposed to know. So she gets arrested, and of course, I did say Bulger's a paranoid kind of guy. So he, as being the paranoid guy, starts talking to her. You know, and she's dumb as a fucking stuff. You know what? I kind of want to play this fucking scene. Box, before you play that part, yep. let me ask you. Mm-hmm. What, was it as dumb as, I forgot my hat. I can't get on a plane without my hat. No. So what could I do? I had to take her home and get, her, get, her, get a fucking hat. No, this is more uh, Kelly Bundy stupid. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is more Christina Applegate married with children stupid. Let me just play a little bit of this just so you can realize how stupid she is. I have a few questions. Sure. What do you want to know? What did you just talk about? Me? Yeah, you. With who? Deborah. Sweetheart, you just spent the fucking night in the camp. Yeah. Okay, so where the fuck did you sleep last night? There. And what the fuck is that? Police station. And who would you be talking to in a goddamn police station, Deborah? The police? Okay, I'd already want to kill this bitch. I don't blame Whitey at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my God. At this point, I'm kind of like, you know what? He's got a point right now. You know, he. Uh, anyway, let me play a little more here. Exactly. So what did the police say to you? And what did you say back to them? Nothing much. It's the usual. What is the fucking usual? I don't know the usual. What's the fucking usual? You know, drugs are bad. Prostitution's illegal. Shit like that. Okay. So, again, I'm kind of with him here. Um, but anyway, uh, he gets paranoid enough to where basically he tells them, okay, we're going to take you. We got you a house, a little place to, to stay for a while. We're going to take care of you. 
brings her into a house, starts showing her around the house, brings this stepdaughter into a bedroom. Whitey doesn't hesitate, immediately gets her in a chokehold and kills her. Yep. And kills her. And to show you how calm this man can be after this, this is what he says. Let me get to that part after she's, uh, I mean, she struggles. But this is what he says to uh, Rory McCarker, uh, Steve Lemmy. Clean up your fucking mess. Taking a nap. We got dinner at Connolly's in an hour. Clean up your fucking mess. I'm gonna take a nap. Yeah, this might not be politically correct, but I actually picture. But, uh, Chris Benoit walking into the room, looking at Nancy and doing that throat slashing gimmick that he used to Jeez. do before Jeez. he pulled the trigger. Yeah, this. I mean, yeah, it, but I mean, all jokes aside, that yeah, I mean, it shows you what a cold, cold-hearted psychopath this man was, yeah. and again, paranoid. He thought for a minute you could tie him to a crime. You were dead, dead. Um, now uh, we also just heard him say, don't forget we have dinner at the Connolly's in an hour. That was John Connolly he's talking about. Um, the scary part in this is when, let me get to this part. Hold on here. Let me see where I'm at here. I'll play this for you. That is one of the best goddamn steaks I ever had in my life. Ever. I got a knife over here. <laughs> now, he's at a Connolly's, and there's another FBI agent there with him, and he's basically asking him, wow, what's in this state? Because it's fucking amazing. Now, here you go. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. What's the, what's the, what's the, fam what's the family secret recipe? It's, gr it's ground garlic and a little bit of soy. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I thought it was a family secret. Anthony, what are you doing? Wait, hold on. <laughs> Did you just get on a bus? What the fuck was that? <laughs> Alright, back to the scene. <laughs> it's a recipe. No. You said to me, this is a family secret, and you gave it up to me, boom. Just fucking like that. Don't look to John, because he's not gonna fucking help you. You spill the secret family recipe today, maybe you fucking spill about me tomorrow. Is that something maybe that's a possibility? Listen, I was just saying. You were just saying. Just saying gets people sent to Allenwood. Just saying got me a nine-year stretch in Leavenworth and Alcatraz. You understand? So just saying could get you buried real fucking quick. Okay. 
Now, he said he was kidding with the guy, but I would need new pants right around now if that was this man speaking to me like that. Definitely. I, I would shit my fucking pants. Uh, and, you know, he's basically, oh, I'm joking, I'm joking, no big deal, no big deal. But, uh, yeah, what a holy scary. Whole fuck would I be scared as shit if that ever happened to me, man. Wow. I'm be- sorry about that, folks, but, yeah, that was a scary fucking scene. Yeah. But it, it, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. If a guy if a guy is so open to talk about a so-called family secret or anything that's supposed to be kept in confidence, yeah. question him about other shit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's just a comment. I mean, obviously, not not to the level of getting killed, but when you're dealing with a guy like uh, Whitey, you, you probably should try to keep certain things close to the vest. Yeah, probably. Um, this is at, at the point where, like I said, uh, Conley's wife knows what's going on. Knows what's going. He, she can sense this is an evil guy. Uh, and he goes upstairs and starts talking to his wife, and it's really creepy, this scene, too. I, I, I don't need to play it, but, I mean, he's right in her personal space. He's it, It's a scary, intense conversation. It, it's another part where you thought, holy shit, he might kill this chick, too. But and they and they probably had the music going too. I can I can only imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's stroking her hair. She's shaking, and you know, basically, he's she she wouldn't come to dinner with him. And you know, Connolly's like, oh, she doesn't feel good. She went upstairs. So, you know, it's very scary part. But this is definitely, I would recommend this movie a hundred times to anybody. Um. And, oh, it was the U.S. attorney. They got a new U.S. attorney. They so, uh, The FBI sort of had the other U.S. attorney in their pocket, and he actually ended up being indicted on a bunch of charges. <laughs> Crazy, huh? And, um, I mean, Connolly walks in and tries to hand him, you know, Red Sox tickets, which... I'll be honest, in Boston, Red Sox, Sox tickets are hard to get. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you serious, boss? Yep. I am. They are not fucking easy to get Red Sox, especially back in these days. Back in nineteen in the early 80s, holy shit. Um, you know, so he's, and, they, and you know, the U.S. attorney won't, and this is, by the way, the U.S. attorney is the, uh, the NYPD blue reference just so you know that's him um and uh, he won't budge he won't bite and basically he starts asking questions about whitey matter of fact i'm right here let me go ahead and play this scene for you about that clemens is on the mountain tonight i'm sure about that the other agents here we go do you have a case for me agent Conley? no i just came in and introduced myself you know Couple local boys moving up the branch. Maybe we can help each other along. Yeah. Bring me cases. That's all the help I need. Obviously, there you see that he's not budging or biting on his uh. I will. Uh, I'll leave you to know, it. Forwardness there, but here we go. Hey, you know, since you're here. Yeah. 
How come no one has nailed Whitey Bulger? Oh, no. No, no, no. That won't work. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Excuse me? Oh, what's Bulger done? He's a small-time hood, but he, he he's an invaluable asset. What's he done? Everything, evidently. Drugs, extortion, murder. I'd heard rumors, but these other informant reports make it clear. Here's the thing. Every time we start a formal investigation, poof, goes away. He slips free. How do you account for that? I don't know. Luck of the Irish? <laughs> Luck of the Irish. That's where you're going with. Oh, it's... It's slander and lies from his brother Billy's political opponents. These fucking assholes from Cambridge, they will do anything to bring Billy down because they can't stand power. Okay, this is where it's, uh, this is where Bulger starts becoming on shaky ground. This U.S. attorney basically has a hard-on for Whitey Bulger. Uh, he's not backing down. He's not giving up. Matter of fact, he starts going pretty much around the FBI, which the U.S. attorney can do. He doesn't really need the FBI. He's there to work with the FBI. Uh, he starts going around him and taking statements from people that are, you know, not going to the FBI, but going direct to the local police, and the they're calling the state's attorney on him. Um, <clears throat> at one point, the, the, you know, this is where they really start, but, but, but they do really start closing in on Bulger at this point because this U.S. attorney just got no fucking, no slowdown button. So they start going after him bad and they, yeah, they end up with one of, like I said, he starts going around. Yeah, let me see something. Money. Bulger and finds one informant. Give us some big fish. Evidence? Pictures and sound. FBI know anything about this? No, but I can call him if you want. Absolutely not. Can you get me into witness protection? The best way you have. I have Whitey Bulger. So Whitey Bulger took a piece of everything you made. What are you fucking kidding me? Every person Whitey Bulger was extorting ended up basically ratting on Whitey Bulger. Every single one of them. And not to the FBI, to this U.S. attorney who had oh. a hard-on for Whitey Bulger. And literally, he's sitting there fucking smiling the whole time, knowing he's got Bulger by the balls at this point. Uh, they start. Now, let, me ask, um, let me ask you: mm -hmm. Was the smile quite as evil as the guy, as the smile that uh, Henry got from that one cop in a Goodfellas towards the end? No, no, not that, really. Now, that was an evil fucking smile. <laughs> that was. Gotcha, dickhead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye, dickhead. <laughs> Love that fucking oh, line. Um, at this point. Him and Connolly meet. Connolly's basically saying we're both wanted men at this point. Uh, Connolly does get indicted on many, many charges. Um, you know, basically for covering Whitey, uh, Whitey Bulger, everything. But uh, John Connolly, as FBI handler, does end up 
getting uh, indicted, um, you know, from the from from the testimony of these guys, and that U.S. attorney takes takes Whitey down, uh, and this is where the movie starts ending. Whitey's bulger, uh, Whitey's brother Billy actually ended up leaving Senate, became chancellor of a university in Boston. Uh, they ended up arresting. Uh, I mean, he was forced to resign when uh, he. Ha- it, it, it was revealed that he had been in, been in touch with Whitey when he was on the run. We mentioned he was on the run. As soon as all this went down, he took off. He was gone. Um, so his brother did get in pretty much. Pretty much, his brother was non-existent. Just stayed there. Uh, John Connolly elected not to testify against Bulger, convicted of second-degree murder in the death of John Callahan, which was uh, one of the one of the guys that was caught trying to inform on on Whitey, and he was associated with it. He got forty years. John Connolly, forty years in prison. I believe he passed away in prison. Um, then we go to Steve Flemmy. who also informed, I believe he only got like six or seven years, but uh, we said Whitey Bulger finally caught after 12 years, June 22nd, 2011, uh, finally caught in Santa Monica, California. Finally caught. Yep, and still still kicking to this day. So, but... um, you know, Steve Flemmy pled guilty to ten murders, and let's see, let's see, nineteen ninety five, nine nine ninety five. He was on the run from nineteen ninety five Whitey Bulger until two thousand eleven. That's a good run out of there. Uh, his right hand man Kevin actually only got five years after testifying against Bulger. Uh, he got five years in federal prison. Uh, the guy who killed the highlight guy only got 12 years mm-hmm. for also took a plea bargain. Um, and he and Kevin Weeks actually are out of jail now and still walking in Boston. John Morris was the other FBI agent. Um, he got very nervous when the U.S. attorney started coming down on him and gave complete testimony against his FBI colleagues and John Connolly. Basically, he got granted immunity. He walked on all his crimes, and Stephen Fleming did serve. He pleaded guilty to 10 murders, served a life sentence, actually, and is in an undisclosed location. Ah, shit. Yep. But uh, Whitey is in prison right now. But uh, again, I really wanted to do this movie for the kind of for some of the tie-ins my family had to it. Number one, like I said, my grandfather hung out at the bar where Whitey used to hang out and all that stuff. But uh, according to all of the associates of Whitey Bulger, Johnny Depp did an amazing job playing him. Um in an interview on Jimmy Kimmel in 2003, 
Johnny Depp admitted that he broke his rule of not watching his own movies with this one. Uh, he was at the film's debut, debut in Venice. He was about to skip out watching the film, but the director asked him to stay, so he did. So he has watched this movie and said it was his favorite film that he's done so far. So, you know, I really enjoyed this film. Obviously, the Boston references reminded me of being a kid, but the film itself was very well made. Anthony's been bringing up Goodfellas a little bit. This really has, and it's not a Martin Scorsese movie, but it's 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 very well done like a Martin Scorsese movie. And, uh, and I'm going to say this. <laughs> In the movie... Uh, with the makeup department, you know who uh, Johnny Depp actually looks like? Who? See if this name r- rings a bell to you. Fred Dreyer. Oh, jeez. Tell me, like, just look at just look at any of the promotional posters. Hey, he does tell, a little tell bit. see a little bit of Hunter in them. Yeah, he does a little bit. Uh, Black Mass did actually excellent in the theaters. And I'm surprised I didn't hear of this movie either, but it actually ended up grossing about $62.6 million in there. Uh, the budget was estimated at 53 The box office was $99.8 million. Um, that's from Weebs in the chat room. So this movie definitely did make some big fucking money. Yeah. Um, did good. I, I don't know why I never heard of it, never saw it. I guess the name doesn't really promote what the movie is which might be a problem but this movie was incredibly well done uh i can see some shades of goodfellas in this movie to be honest with you yeah a lot really i haven't seen the whole thing yet but yeah just uh from just like little you know mannerisms things that are said the way certain scenes play out like for like for example the guy we had the scene we had brought up earlier where the guy had um you know gotten got a little drunk got into a little fight with a Whitey, and then the next day, you know, I guess he tried to make a man say, I got out of control, I was drinking a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And then Whitey said, don't worry about it, it's okay. You know what scene that reminded me of? Almost to a T, but on a smaller scale? Joe Pesci and Billy Bats. Yeah. Except the only difference is we weren't talking about a made guy, but it wasn't as dramatic as that scene, but mm-hmm. that, that's the kind of vibe I got from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously everyone said that, uh, again, I've said it before, but everyone said that Johnny Depp did an incredible job playing uh, Whitey Bulger. But, um, yeah, I mean, Whitey Bulger actually ended up in... Uh, he he is in prison right now, believe it or not. they Like I said, we, they caught him in 2011. He is finally in prison. Uh, it was amazing, though, that they caught this guy. Just dumb luck. To be on the run that long and finally get caught? Hell of a run. I mean, you, you, you can't, honestly, you know, e- even if you're, you know, Christian, goody two-shoes, you know, down with down with evil people like uh, Waddy Bulger, Bulger, you got you to gotta actually stand back and really kind of respect the, respect the game a little bit and say, this man escaped for over four decades without getting caught. Hey, that's a hell of a run. Yeah, and you got to figure now, you know, not to get morbid here. The fact that man is eighty-seven in prison, he's going to die in jail. Yeah, but he basically spent the better part of his good years a free man. 
Jeez. Yeah, and you know, I mentioned that thing about the uh, the state lottery. This was in the summer of 1991 where they won the lottery. They all shared 14 million was the lottery back then. Man, imagine that shit. Um, and I mean, he, I mean, let's, uh, the, the movie starts in 1975. He went all the way until 1995 running shit protected by the FBI. 20 years protected by the FBI doing whatever the hell they want, whenever the hell they wanted. Murder, drugs, extortion, every other crime you can think of these guys were fucking doing. Protected by John Connolly and the FBI. But that goddamn U.S. attorney, man, threw a monkey wrench in the whole fucking situation, man. Yeah. That, he did. He, he he started getting the, uh, the, the you know, uh, basically he, he was gathering intel behind the back of John Connolly and everybody. And basically he had all of them. He had them all. No, he, he had them all. What? Well, you know, well, let me ask you. You know, with this particular U.S. attorney, and like in general, why do you think it is certain like people in positions of power like this get a bug up their ass about certain individuals? I really think the U.S. attorney just was wondering why every case of Whitey Bulger's got swept under the fucking rug. Ah, uh. and then. One question led to a lot of other questions. I think he put two and two together and realized that Connolly, being from Southie, again, South Boston, really thought that, you know, I see what's going on here. He's he's protecting another Southie. And uh, he just figured it out and then went after him, man. But... um, this was also Johnny Depp's fourth role in playing a real life gangster. Uh, he port, you know, he portrayed uh, Joe Joe Pistone, Donnie Brasco, George Young, and Blow, and uh, Dillinger in Public Enemies, which I haven't seen that movie either, but I have it. Yeah. Johnny Depp, this man has gone from a pirate to a gangster. Well, I've 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 said this before. I know everyone. A lot of people complain about Johnny Depp. Oh, he ruined this movie. He ruined that movie. I personally, I, I like Johnny Depp. I really think he's very good in the parts he plays. I think he gets into him. Um, but I know a lot of people complain. Oh, he ruined Willy Wonka for me. Well, Willy Wonka was a different movie. You want to fucking not ruin it? Watch Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder. Shut up. <laughs> You know, but uh, originally he had left this project due to some salary issues, but he did later return to uh, do this lead role, which I'm glad he did because I really think this this movie fit him so well. Fit him so goddamn well. Um All right, B Megs, what movie did what one movie did he ruin? Let's go ahead and come on, B Megs. What movie did he ruin? Tell me, tell me, tell me while I'm talking about this. Uh, Guy Pierce 
was originally cast as Whitey Bulger, but dropped out for reasons that no one knows. I'm trying to get a few of these things in the beating. Uh... By the way, the word fuck in this movie 254 times. Eh, I got a ways to go, but pretty good. Uh, according to director Scott Cooper, the original runtime for the film was close to three hours, but cut down because he thought some of the movies, uh, some of the pacing issues in the movie were too uh, too iffy. So uh, this project was actually shelved when Johnny Depp dropped out, but when Johnny Depp agreed to return, they started it back up. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's influence actually contributed to, uh, obviously we talked about the movie The Departed, um, contributed to Scott Cooper wanting to do this movie to branch out from The Departed and show some of the more, more some of, some of the uh, things going on in Boston at the time, the same time as the movie The Departed. Wow. Yeah, I gotta watch Public Enemies, man, because it's it's again Depp and Rory Cochran about John Dillinger. So I need to watch that movie too. Yeah, I, I'm actually, you know, I'm gonna do some uh, research. Um, cause um, I was for a little while I was on Daily Motion and YouTube. I had actually found some uh, old mob documentaries that I hadn't watched in years. Ah. Remember how A and E used to run them? Yeah, you do. All right, Bmig says that uh, he ruined. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Now, realize he wasn't taking over the Willy Wonka, the Gene Wilder, which I hold that movie close to my heart. I love that movie uh, very much. I really love the movie Willy Wonka. It's a great movie. I will always love it. Johnny Depp did the novel... Charlie and the I mean Willy Wonka was loosely was based on the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So Johnny Depp did a different version of it more based on the book, which is why I can separate the two. Willy Wonka is a great movie on its own. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was good movie on its own too. So I don't believe he ruined a franchise. I don't believe he ruined Willy Wonka. They didn't name the movie Willy Wonka for a reason. Yeah. Obviously. Um, yeah. But it was based on the book more than the other movie. And uh, let's face it, you could do more with graphics, CGI and all that. You know, I mean, Willy Wonka was a 1970s movie, so I don't know. I really don't I don't believe he ruined the franchise. I believe he made a new version of it and I I didn't like it. I didn't but I but I do enjoy it. I mean it's a movie I'll watch. Um I'll always watch. I don't care where I am. What I'm doing, if Willy Wonka is on, I'll turn to the channel and watch it. But I, I just don't believe he really ruined the, the franchise. I believe if 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 he was going to ruin the franchise, they would have called that movie fucking Willy Wonka. 
Yeah, exactly. And now that 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 you know to to your uh, to that point, basically, a franchise can only be ruined when you try to deliberately uh, make a basically make an make basically make a newer version of the same shit. Right. So uh, here's here's perfect perfect example. Before uh, Robin Williams, rest in peace, passed away, he had a lot of projects in the work, including they were hinting at. A sequel to Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know about you, Bops, but as a, I saw that movie when I was a kid, I fucking love Mrs. Doubtfire. I still do. Now I still same here. Now rumor has it that they're still going to go forward with the sequel. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that because Robin Williams was like when you take when you're basically taking a character that is so synonymous with one person and you try to recreate that same kind. That's where you fuck up. Yeah, I agree. If you call it anything else but Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, Mrs. Make it about her cousin or a sister or a long lost relative, that's one thing. But when you call it Mrs. Doubtfire and say, okay, this is Mrs. Doubtfire, but instead of Robin Williams, we're going to get Brad Pitt, it's not the same movie. That's when you're pissing mm-hmm. on the legacy of something. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, you know, BMX is even bringing up, you know, he has a problem with remakes or similar movies to an old original. And he brings up Wizard of Oz. I saw Oz the Great and Powerful with with uh, James Frank. I had no problem with it. I thought it was another take on the movie, again, more based on the novel than the actual movie, but not not a remake, an updated version. I have no problems with updated versions. I really don't. Not all of them are going to be great, but... Listen, you can always have the original movie in your heart. And I totally understand that because I do. You know, like I said before, if if Willy Wonka's on one channel and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's on, I'm going to turn to Willy Wonka. If the original Wizard of Oz is on one channel and Oz the Great and Powerful, I'm going to turn to the, the original Wizard of Oz. You know, but some people don't. Some people don't even know... My kids have never seen the original Wizard of Oz yet. But they've seen the Oz and Great and Powerful because I was watching it and my kid liked it. And I said, one day we're going to sit and watch the original. Just oh, so the he, 1939 version. Yeah. yeah, just so he has the comparison. I have it. Now, now since we're on the subject of Wizard of, the Wizard of Oz, now you have uh, the original version, the Judy Garland version from 1939. Now, obviously, it's a little different. has a little bit of a uh, twist on it. Okay. What do you think about the uh, one from the 70s with Michael Jackson, Richard Pryor? A lot of people consider that a classic. The Wiz. The Wiz, um, yes. Which is, let's, I mean, that's Michael Jackson. That's Donna Summer, Nipsey Russell. Uh, I, I enjoy that movie. I like it. It's, it's, if that movie is on, I'm going to watch it, too. Yeah, same I thing. Am but watch once it again, too. I don't consider that a ripoff as much as you know. You take a clip and you put a spin on. You put your own spin on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that's what that was. So that's why I don't. I don't put that in the same category. I know. Everyone where you sit with that. It, it's another movie people complain about, though. Oh, it was just a a, a, a black version of the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. True, but it was another take on it, and I enjoy the movie. I think some of the songs in that movie are incredible. Ease on down the road, listening to Michael. Come on, Michael Jackson was in that goddamn movie. 
Yeah. You know, and the, yeah, like, I mean, come on. I'm not talking, we're not talking about everything else, but just on musical talent alone, Michael Jackson was, is a national fucking treasure, man. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And I, I, I do love watching The Wiz. It's a little creepier. It's a little, you know, and I, I am not trying to be weird here, you know, racial or, it's a darker version of The Wizard of Oz, and I'm not meaning that in a racial way. Watch <laughs> that watch that movie. It is dude, they have some creepy parts in that movie. Yeah. Really creepy. And that's what that that's what I mean. I guess I should have just said the word creepy. But it's it's a different take on the movie. And I have zero issues with it. I actually really enjoy watching The Wiz. It's a very well made movie. Nipsey Russell's voice in that movie is great. Uh, God, I'm blanking on who played the uh, the lion, but Richard Pryor. Oh wait, no, I'm not no. Sorry. Richard Pryor was was yeah, the wizard. No. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm yeah. Blank, yeah. <laughs> but a <laughs> great movie. I love that that adaptation of the movie. I really do. I'll watch it any time. I really will. I I like The Wiz. I think it's an excellent made movie. All the singers and they're amazing. You know the, the the song the the ease on down the road with Michael Jackson singing it, and uh, the uh, the crows in that movie are are hilarious. I, I I enjoy the movie, and my kids have seen it with me too. My okay, older since one we're thinks... going down this road, I'm going to throw out another random little uh, tidbit for you. Mm -hmm. uh, were you are you a fan of the Three Stooges? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that I still watch the Three Stooges to this day. Um, what was your favorite lineup? Curly, Mo, Larry. Okay. I did you think did you think Shint was an adequate fill? I mean, he was the original. He was actually a part of the original lineup. But did correct. you think like when Curly got sick and he had to kind of step aside? You think he was an adequate filling? I think. I mean, he, he brought was... a different style to it. Obviously, he was more of an addition later than in the beginning. Okay. Weird, strangely, but I, you know, I, I really thought he was a better addition when he came back, as to when he was the original. But yeah, I and by the, I have not seen the new Three Stooges movie, so I haven't. It, it, it has its moments. Will Sasso, God bless him, is probably the best part of the movie. But it, it, it it's um, it's a weird movie. It's ba it's basically. It, it it's they basically take the Stooges of the '30s and try to transplant them to the um 2000s, and it, it's it's funny. It has its moments seeing guys that kind of didn't come up in this era trying to adapt to it, but it's still it's just kind of off. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. It's look, there's certain movies I have a tough time turning on because of my sentimental like or childhood holds on things three stooges is one of them i just can't watch that movie <laughs> look i i like will sasso but he, that dude's sort of a douche man <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of i don't know man i mean like I, I, he's never giving me douche just when, when is he giving you douche shows? <laughs> yeah i look maybe i'll check that movie out one day and but I don't know. <laughs> you and having I, a moment, Buzz? Nah, that, nah. Are you triggered right now? 
I don't know. And, you know, I agree with uh, B-Megs. Uh, the th- Three Stooges made slapstick comedy famous, and it does still hold up today. But, I, you know, I just can't watch that new movie. I just can't. My dad is a big Three Stooges fan and loves the Three Stooges. I don't know. I everyone said it, and everyone said it was such a like 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 a joke of a movie. Yeah, it it really was. Like I said, it had its moments, so I can't completely shit on it. Yeah. But at the same time, if you if you were like either, I mean, obviously, I don't know how many people are still around that were actually around when the Stooges were in their heyday. But it, even if you just watched the reruns as a kid growing up, it, it doesn't compare. It's it's a, it's a different different concept, different genre, but it, it has its moments. But I can't. Totally recommend it. One hundred percent is a good movie, but yeah, is what it is. And by the way, I want to say I'm shocked. There is a station here playing all of the old All in the Family episodes. Okay, popular show. They still air the reruns. I'm, I'm still shocked they let that show play. I'm wonder what do they edit today? Is the question. What's not? <laughs> what right, is not I, shown? I, I'm a, well, let me tell you something about editing and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I'm going to get back to this point in a second. But um, you talked about All in the Family. You have a station up. Do you have Bounce out there? No. Well, over here in Philly, we got Bounce TV. Mm-hmm. Now, when the Bill Cosby situation broke, literally, they had they were playing like the uh, Cosby show. They were playing um Cosby his uh basically like uh the new show he did from like 96 to 2000 uh-huh. with Dougie Doug that type of deal and then once the cat once the scandals hit they pulled them after like they had only been on for like a couple months like mm-hmm. a month or so mm-hmm. but they pulled them but they kept getting letters and complaints and as of December 19th last month they brought Cosby back okay the Cosby show so and obviously it's called the Cosby show and obviously, Bill Cosby was a big part of the show. So it's not like you can retroactively edit him out of the show because no. there would be no show. <laughs> There'd be no show. <laughs> It'd be like, here's Theo. Here's <laughs> why. Wait, why did why why did y'all just jump twenty? Why did y'all just jump ten minutes? <laughs> so I mean, so it's like it. You know, when there's money to be made, eh? They still play. I mean, I think sometimes what they'll do is like if uh, they say certain words, they might edit it out or. They might uh, shorten it for commercial reasons, but I don't think they actually physically edit the episodes in terms of content. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I watch, you know, I'm, obviously I'm a cop show fan. I watch Law & Order, and we have, we have Ion. Ion Station plays all the old Law & Order. If they say the word ass, it's edited. Mm. Bitch, edited. And it's like, come on. Well, that's because Ion is basically. A, I mean, I don't know if you. In the morning, they play nothing but religious. I mean, religious shit. Excuse my language. I'm talking about religion, but that's what they do. So that they're a religious channel. So that's oh, they why play they all, edit that kind of they stuff. They play out. infomercials here. Uh, no, I feel they they literally play for like from six to eight or five to nine or whatever. They play all types of religious stuff. Seven hundred oh. club. Like Jesus. Oh, all I know is they show Blue Bloods every Thursday. So <laughs> they do. I listen. I I watch every Thursday because of Blue Bloods, and I watch Mondays and Fridays for Criminal Minds. Yeah, 
There's some weird. good shows on there. It's kind of weird watching, like you said, you know, I didn't even think of that, but it's kind of weird watching some old shows and wondering how they were originally meant to be seen and construed. Like, you know, when you look at, like, All in the Family, you look at Jefferson's, you look at Good Times. So many things you could get away with back then that, man. And and, and it's not the senses weren't around. It's not the senses weren't tough on stuff. But it's just, like, everybody didn't seem to have a bug up their ass and ready to hit that button on you so fucking quick. And then everything wasn't scrutinized. Mm-hmm. The FC, if, if anything, you figured the FCC was a bigger deal in the 70s than they are now, but yet you hear more of them now. You hear more from them now. Like, um, I don't know if you listened to Soup the other day, but they had, they had read off a couple of FCC complaints hmm. that people had with WWE. Really? This was fucking hilarious. Oh, I, I'm just going off memory here, but and they literally read the letters, and of course these were from Bumpkins. Yeah, of course. W- <laughs> WWE Raw needs to be canceled because <laughs> because home um, and I quote one of the reasons why they wanted to be canceled was they the new day they had a problem with the new day coming out and gyrating their pelvic pelvic God, areas. I feel I feel penisly inadequate when they shake and gyrate. I don't think I could. If they were beside my wife, I wouldn't compare. Cancel Raw. <laughs> and you'll love this one, Box. You'll love this one. What? This is this is going back in the memory bank. But uh, remember back when Rusev was actually relevant as a badass? Mm-hmm. Remember when they had him do a segment on Raw where he beat the shit out of a, a supposed military guy? Yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. A guy wrote in. To the FCC, his his complaint was, the the, the character of Rusev Rusev he couldn't even get his fucking name right should be arrested and that because that's a criminal offense. He beat up an armed forces. I can't even say it. But see, this is what we're dealing with in 2017. Folks. Okay, all of wrestling technically is assault and battery. Really, we could arrest every wrestler on assault, battery, slander. You could really arrest every single wrestler in the United States and every other country if you wanted to. If you think it's that real, they're all going to jail. Holy oh, shit, shit. Though, that should be a crime. You WWE know, should be ashamed for still employing. <laughs> it should be a crime that I'm able to live on this planet. God damn the, the I'm sorry. Whoever wrote that letter, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something I usually don't say. Kill yourself. <laughs> do the plea and and uh, if you do not, Lord please never procreate. In this world, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it's a lot of other examples I can get it, but that that that's the one, honestly, that caught me off guard. I swear, I I, I just shook my head for about a good five minutes listening to that shit. <laughs> Jeez, Jesus Christ! Christ. <laughs> I mean, but this is the, but this honestly, this is where we're at now. Oh. Everybody can will dissect and look. We we dissect and we pick apart raw and and and, and mock this that and the third about the show. But Jesus Christ, Listen. we're at a point now where everything, music, entertainment, movies, wrestling, whatever, 
Everybody is looking for something to get pissed off about. Just shut the fuck up and enjoy it for what it is, or don't fucking watch. And I'm sorry. Yeah, and you know what the sad thing is, and I, I, I know you know this, this. This is THD movie review. We're we're originally a wrestling show. It's where we all spawned from. Wrestling is one of the only people that will cow down in a second and apologize for anything. Ooh, I'm sorry. We didn't mean to offend so-and-so. We didn't mean to offend this one. You don't see these fucking movie companies kowtowing to these people. They stand their fucking ground. Most of the time. So, I don't know, man, but, you know, to, but every, listen, if you watch anything on television, it's going to offend you. Anything will eventually, and you know what? It's supposed to offend you. It's television. If it doesn't tug at any motion, you probably are turning the channel. Okay. Really? <laughs> really? You are. If it doesn't right. tug at one emotion, whether it's happy, whether it's sad, whether it listen, do I do I like watching the fucking the 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 the, the commercials where they're showing abused puppies and dog? No. Do I do I fast forward through them? I have a hard time doing that, dude. Yeah. I'm like, look at the puppy. Look at, look at, look at. Fuck that asshole. They're pulling at heartstrings. Even during commercials, they're trying to invoke emotion out of you. If a television show is not pulling any any emotion out of you, why are you watching it? Why? Are you watching it? Okay, uh, yeah. Speaking of, and I'm I'm actually glad we're actually delving into this topic of uh, you know the easily butthurt because um I had actually hopped on a thread earlier that uh, Joey Numbers started because I didn't even know this was an issue, mm -hmm. but apparently uh, Steve Harvey, everybody knows him. Uh huh. He's in hot water for quote racist jokes. Now obviously, and I, and I made the comment on the thread. Steve Harvey hadn't been edgy in almost 20 years. He's more of a, you know, Christian-based comic now, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically, to give you a little setup here, uh, basically he had made a comment. And it, it, once again, this is a joke. And he was basically making a comment, picking on Asian men saying it's harder for them to date. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you, and uh, do you, do you... <laughs> Joey, being who he is, he did the research. Basically, if you Google... Google uh, like the most unmarried groups of people in the in this country. You have Asian, it's Asian men and black women. <laughs> so he basically made the comment that he, technically he's not lying about what he's saying. What did he say? Did do, do, do you by any chance have the 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 joke? I'm actually looking it up now. But yeah, uh, this try is to get the joke because I'm, uh, look, I've said this before. Comics should. Never, and I want to stress, never, never, never have to apologize for a joke. Because if you don't get it, fuck you. Yeah. 
And I and yeah, Fuck like you. I said, I was pissed off about it because I look at it like this. You look at a lot of the great comics, you know, going back to you know, going back to the sixties, your mom's Mabelies, your Red Foxes, your Richard Pryors. Hell, Bill Cosby before he became Bill Cosby was edgy. Yep. So I mean, how how would these these guys would not be able to exist in this today? There would be no Eddie Murphy Raw. There would be no Delirious in two thousand seventeen. Like because it would be so many protests. It it would be banned. That the director would look at that and say, "Oh, we got to we got to shell this shit because it would it would offend too many different groups." Yeah. It, everybody. Oh my! I'm, I actually found it. I'm just looking for a good link to open up here. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I really believe that if any comedian who apologizes should just leave. Just don't be a comic. If you're gonna fucking bow to these fucking people who are asking you to apologize for a fucking joke, go fuck yourself too. Do not apologize. Stand up for your fucking self. It was a joke. All of you people with no sense of humor in 2017, fuck off. 2017 needs to be the year of humor. That's what we need to do. We need to make this the year where people get it. Where people just get it. Where no one is offended by a joke. How about 2017? Lighten the fuck up. I like that. You like that, Anthony? Yeah. Yeah. 2017. Lighten the fuck up, people. I'm 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 with that. I am fucking with that. That's what needs to happen. Lighten up. Let's not be so fucking offended at every little fucking thing and yeah, every and, and little and as sick joke. as it is to say, I, I think George Carlin, may he rest in peace, died at the right time because even him, he couldn't, he couldn't exist in this era. No, we need. For, for one you're thing, wrong. we need George, George Carlin, Carlin. apologize for shit, but he would be under attack yep. every other fucking day for everything he said. Good. We need a George Carlin. We need someone like George Carlin right now to come out and say what no one else wants to say. And you know what? You wouldn't hear George Carlin apologizing. Oh, yeah, he wouldn't apologize for shit. He wouldn't apologize for a fucking thing he said. I actually wish George Carlin was in his prime right now. Right now is where George Carlin is would be the most useful fucking person. And the funny thing is, before the PC police got to be in the social justice war, before all this shit kind of came down on us the way it has, he was already telling us this shit was going to happen one day. <laughs> Dude, he's, you got to remember, this guy's been a... I mean, George Carlin was a comic back in the fucking 70s. Yeah. I mean, he's been... Look, he's he wasn't just a comic. He was... I would call him a comedic activist. Okay, I I, I found the Steve Harvey stuff. Okay, I'm bring just going to read this real quick. Bring it. So let me see here. On Friday, Steve Harvey got into hot water after he made some race-related jokes, and in the day since, a backlash has brewed online. It all started when Steve opened his show, poking fun at embarrassing dating guys like dating for under a dollar and how to date a white woman, a practical guy for Asian men. <laughs> so we're off to a good start, aren't we? <laughs> Let me see. Steve joked about the dateability of Asian men imitating a woman simply stating that she's not interested. Among other comments, 
His, quote, drunk uncle at Thanksgiving impression immediately became super awkward despite the audience who seemed willing to laugh at anything. When he realized the first person the producers put the spotlight on for the Ask Steve segment was a woman from the Philippines, Steve's face fell. He actually got off the hook pretty easy, though. She would have been justified in taking him to task for hacky jokes stolen from the 50s, but she only told him to eat 12 grapes, not to cut his nails, and to wear polka dots in honor of Philippine traditions. See, the internet, ever the reliable generator of outraged link think pieces, picked up the slack. Feel free to guess the tone of the resulting story on the Angry Asian Men blog. And if you go to Twitter and type Steve Harvey into the search bar, one of the top results right now is Steve Hardy, Steve Harvey, Potato Asian Men. In which one person criticized Steve Harvey, comparing his look to that of Mr. Potato Head, and posted his photo alongside those of Asian male models. <laughs> Let's see. Is this the? Is this the? So drunk? I mean, j- just based off of what I read, without even hearing the context of anything. Well, what do you think about this uh, fucking anger? Well, I think I have the drunk uncle thing here. No, okay. that's not. This is from 2011. That's not it. Or just type in. I just typed in a uh, well, Steve wanna, Harvey racist joke. I'm gonna go to. The, I'm gonna go to YouTube and do it to see if I can find it. Because I'd like some audio of this. I always like to hear the context of the person saying it. Because, let's face it, when you're online, you can type anything you want. And you can be like, oh man, this is going to be funny. And then someone doesn't find it funny. And you're like, if you knew the way I was saying this, you'd understand. That's why it's like, when even when I text, you always got to throw in that LOL so people... Hopefully, even if they don't think it's funny, they get that you were joking. Yeah, something. Uh, let's see. Puts down Asian men, not fond of white. Three minutes, 35. So let's see what this is. Steve Harvey is a racist douche. The name of this file, Steve Harvey is a racist douchebag. Jesus Christ. Hold on. Let's see here if I can get the comment. Let me see what it says here. Fucking like Steve Harvey, but it never really had anything to do with. I'm not listening to some guy's fucking opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's another thing. Fuck these fucking opinion reaction videos. The most useless waste of time I've ever seen in my fucking life. Yeah, Steve Harvey. Let me try Steve Harvey racist comments. There we go. Now let's see if we can get him. You can make a racial comment and not be a racist. No. God. Damn you, YouTube. YouTube sucks. I just want to say that. All right, here we go. Let's see if this is it. This might be it. Might be it, Anthony. Let's see. Finally, here's one. How to date a white woman, a practical guy Okay, this is very low. Give me one second. Let me raise some volumes here. Was this on his talk show he did this? Uh, yeah. Okay. Which I don't watch, so this is why <laughs> it was news to me. <laughs> yeah, give me one sec. Let me just uh get the volume raised here on the line in circuit. And I can play this. Here we go. Let's see if this helps. Asian men. Can you hear it, Anthony? Yeah, I can hear it loud and clear. Okay. one page too excuse me do you like asian men no thank you 
how to date a black woman, a practical guide to Asian men. Same thing, it's the same thing. You like Asian men? I don't even like Chinese food, boy. It don't stay with you no time. I don't eat what I can't pronounce. Okay, he... It's a joke! Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't funny, but it was a job. I, I, I don't think he was coming from an offensive place with it. Listen, I, I got to be honest. I don't find, I really don't like Steve Harvey at all. I'm, I don't find him that funny. Um, when I watch the, the, the Kings of Comedy DVD, the two I fast forward through are Steve Harvey and Deal Hughley. I, I believe Deal Hughley is actually has no talent. Damn. <laughs> I believe to me, dude, every joke of his is racial. White people do this, black people do this. Ha. Real funny. I I just don't find him funny. I really think his comedy is one dimensional. One dimension. Very good. Thank you. Great word for it. One dimensional, and he has no other fucking line from there. He just doesn't. I personally don't like uh, Deal Hughley. I really can't stand um, some of his political views and other views. I do agree with, but when it comes to his comedy, we just don't see eye to eye. You know. But uh, you know, I I know lately he's gotten more into the political stuff and other things, which I actually believe it or not, I do agree with him on. Like I just said, but when it comes to his comedy, I don't find him funny. I just don't. I don't think any comedian that has to rely on simply racism is funny. White, black. Latino, uh, Carlos Mencia, I don't find funny. Every joke of his is Mexican. Oh, Mexican, 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 Mexican. I don't find George. <laughs> you must, you must hate George Lopez. I think George Lopez is. I was just about to say it. You literally stole the words out of my fucking mouth. George <laughs> Lopez, I believe, is the exact same thing. And I understand self-deprecate. Uh, you know self-deprecating humor but I, I I just don't think it's fun there's no reason for it there's no reason for Mix it, it up a little bit I mean I I look at it like this you know before I get before I get to the point of like the whole you know humor being like subjective and all that mm -hmm. I'll say this as far as comedy in general good better and different I feel like we have to stand up for comedians and comedy in general because at its core, even if somebody sucks as a comedian, mm -hmm. it's coming. It's not, anybody that steps on a stage to tell jokes or tell you a joke is coming from a place of it's coming from a good place. They right. want to entertain you. They want to make you laugh. You know, what I mean, that's where it's coming from. It might you might not like the way they go about it, but but to get super offended about what is essentially a joke is stupid 
basically, you, you know, to have all this outrage over what was essentially a joke. Like, obviously, he wasn't coming. I'm not even a Steve Harvey fan like that. I'll be honest. Right. I was, you know, at one point, but with the self-help books and all this shit, fan, I can't really, I can't even claim him as a fan anymore. Mm-hmm. But the thing of it is, it's just like, it's a fucking joke. Lighten the fuck up. Lighten the fuck up. Exactly. Look, I, I, I don't find all that, you know, comedy that I don't like. I don't find it offensive at all. Just because I don't find any need for it doesn't mean I find it offensive. I'm not sitting there going, oh, I need to uh, give me Facebook right now. I need to type fucking post about this. No, no, that's not me. That's not what I would do. I just don't, and if I don't care for something, you know what I do? I don't watch it. I know I'm supposed to go on Facebook, complain about it, tell you that I'm offended, and uh, I, I think, I'm, am I supposed to start a petition, Anthony? An online petition, right? Right, right? Yeah. Right, 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 right. Fuck me, or yeah. go fuck yourself. You know what? That takes too much fucking time. Just don't watch it. Again, 2017. Lighten up. Lighten the fuck up. I think that should be the motto for two. Lighten the f up. Two thousand seventeen. I hope everyone hashtag lighten the fuck up. Two thousand seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, and to your point, like I never really looked at it like that, but you're right. You, I do kind of like the comedies that have that versatility. That don't, like you said, the relying on your race and racial topics. It's kind of a crutch. It, it's kind of like, you know, once again, I feel like this is going to be like the Bill Cosby episode. But no. even though even though he, his name is shit now, mm-hmm. part, part, of, part of his brilliance as a comedian when he was doing his thing was the fact that he could actually make jokes out of the most simplistic thing. I woke up today and I went to the dentist. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, and like shit like that, relatable shit. That's why people. I mean, I didn't think that was funny. I thought I thought he was funny from the reaction standpoint. I That's did. why I like the college. He's funny in reaction type situations. See, I playing other people to play off of. I always, but like, if you look at what made him funny, that's mm-hmm. what made him funny. It was, and I, I, I find Bill, 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 I, I don't mind his comedy. I actually enjoy Bill Cosby's comedy, and I can separate his comedy. From the person he is now. And this is where I believe society has a, a an issue. Separating things. People clump a lot of things into one big ball. Okay, his comedy's not funny anymore because he did this. You know, um, you know I, 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 let me just throw some people out here. Mel Gibson's movies aren't good anymore because he made fun of Jewish people. Does that make his movies bad if you enjoyed them before? Seriously? Yeah. Does it? And, and, yeah, yeah. No. It doesn't. And I, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but let me just finish here. But as a society, we like to just glom everything together. Well, even though he did this great, he fucked up. And it, because he fucked up, I glom it all together and I make him a bad person. No, 
you're allowed to still enjoy the things that you enjoy from that person, no matter if they showed themselves to be a complete, you know, whether it be a racist or whatever it is, you can still enjoy the work they did and not be a piece of shit. Even though we believe as a, as a society, we have to hate everything in order to be liked by other people. Who gives a fuck? Mel Gibson had some great fucking movies. And you know what? He made fun of my tribe, my people, Jews. He sat there and trashed us and said, media's all run by Jews, blah, blah, blah. You know what? I'll still watch fucking Lethal Weapon. I love Lethal Fucking Weapon. I, all of well, it. you're not fucking Jewish. But... <laughs> But, I mean, but we, you have to separate some things. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just, you know, a weird guy and I have a weird thing where I can just separate people. But, okay, yeah, Mel Gibson made fun of Jews. Oh, well. Life sucks. Yep. He did. He did it. You know what, though? Like I said... I'll still watch his movies. I have zero issue with his movies. I'll still watch movies after. I don't care. I know he's not getting much work, but it doesn't matter. Comedians should be the same way. If a, if, 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 if a comic offends you, that's fine. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. Be offended on your own. Some things offend me. Yeah, I've got a microphone. I can say sometimes things offend me. But even some of those things, I just shut the fuck up because it's not my place. But anyway, I'm not sure if you remember what you were going to say, but uh, please proceed. Oh, no, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Like, you know, we were talking about George Carlin earlier, mm -hmm. and, and I feel like he fits this conversation to a T. He once made this. I wish I had the exact quote, but he basically made a statement along the lines of anything could be funny. You, anything could be made a joke out of, even rape. You can make a joke out of anything. Mm -hmm. So I think, I mean, it, it's all in how you look at it. Like some people, like, it's weird, but some people, that's how some people work through things. Mm -hmm. Like, you, like you've ever, I've been to funerals where people will be, you'll have that one person cracking jokes and then you'll have some people looking at oh, that's disrespectful. That's just their way of working through it. A week later, you might see them crying their eyes out. Right. But on the day in question, they lost a loved one, family member, best friend for 20, 30 years or whatever. On that day, it's like, hey, that's their way of working through it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Um, by the way, we have a surprise for everyone. The man, co-founder of this THT franchise we're in, Shaheen is on the line. What's up, brother? What's going on, man? What's up, bro? Same old shit, man. I just woke up from a nap. I figured I'd tune in since you guys are uh, talking about racism a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, man. What's, uh, what's on your mind, man? I literally just tuned in. I just heard racism, so I figured I'd, I'd start off oh. with you just talking about it. Well, uh, do you want to uh, do you want to join in the racism, or do you want to <laughs> fight against the racism? Uh, it really depends, man. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you you got guys like Artie Lang and you know Howard Stern, where yeah, you could say it's it's racist. I mean, they make they make racist jokes, but it's in a funny manner. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. and at least they're fair about it. You know, like South Park. 
Mm-hmm. It's racist, but they make fun of every race, so you can't really say that you know they're necessarily discriminating. I mean, the founders were both gay guys, mm-hmm. and they make fun of gay people all the time. Can't we just have jokes and laugh at them anymore? You know what I mean? I under- look. I understand people are offended by jokes. Some joke, every like Anthony was just saying, for a joke to be a joke. Someone has to be offended by it. it you know that, what? You know what does it. offend me though. What? To be honest, mm-hmm. is when somebody makes a racist joke and they're not even funny about it. Now that's just irritating. Look, there's and and look, I'm I'm not saying every racist joke is funny because some of them do go a little too far. And again, you know, I said before context. Anthony, remember I said I like to hear context of people telling jokes. Yeah. Sometimes people tell jokes in the context where, holy shit, you're that that's just mean. That's a mean joke. <laughs> All right? You know, your context there is not nice, not funny. And, you know, not, not not to throw the guy under the bus or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, a, a perfect example that comes to my mind of, of a guy that makes a lot of, you know, racist subliminal jokes that are, are terrible and not funny is, is Don Tony. Being one hundred percent honest, like the guy, he sneaks in a lot of racist jokes, and I find zero of them funny. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I haven't listened to him enough to catch him, but um, like for example, like like okay. uh, his his last show starts to show off with uh, you know, what do we got here? A couple of terrorists, you know, and he's talking about like Rusev and them, and it's like, I mean, if you make it funny, like fine, but like it's. Like really? Like you just start off the show with that? It's not even funny. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, I mean, it's just not funny. Like if you made it funny, then it's it's like oh okay, that's fine. Yeah, and funny. I'd say you can't make fun of the guy, but at least you know, there's there's got to be some depth to it. You know, you gotta you gotta build up the joke. There's when there's no punchline to the joke, then it's like well, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Now let me ask you, Shaheen, when you hear like. You know, someone like like Mel Gibson gets in trouble for the. Can you separate like the asshole Mel Gibson from the the movie Mel Gibson doing a movie? Can you still watch his movies and be like, oh, that's a good movie? Uh, Mel Gibson would be a bad example because I never liked the guy, but a perfect okay. example <laughs> is Hulk Hogan. Okay, okay, there you go. Uh, I can I can still watch Hulk Hogan matches. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never really enjoyed them to begin with, but. Um, I don't know. I I, th- I think you can separate it, you know. And I think you should. And and you know, I'm gonna since Anthony mentioned this a lot earlier. I'm gonna. I mean, look, there's certain points to where there's an extreme, like you know, Chris Benoit. Can I still separate that he had some good matches? Yeah, but the guy is a complete, total, absolute piece of garbage. Right. You can't deny he had good matches, so yeah, you can separate. But he's a piece of shit. Absolutely, and I mean, look, I I get he was a wrestler. That's the it's the same thing as acting. Wrestling is acting. I don't know if anyone's realized that by now. Have you? Have you? Have has anyone? Anyone? I'm sure most people listening have. So it's it's really kind of a you know good tie in, but I mean, yeah, the guy could do a good suplex, but he was still a complete waste of human trash. I can watch the match, but I, I can watch, I can still watch his matches. But right after watching them, I don't feel compelled to get on Facebook and write a fucking twelve-page paragraph about yeah. 
a 12-page essay about how Chris Benoit is a great wrestler. And, yeah, sure, he did some fucked up things. I just can't, I just don't, what pisses me off is how people can casually, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, he killed some people, but, yeah, he was a hell of a wrestler. That's what irritates me about how they write about it. They just kind of, like, brush that aside casually. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, the, uh, BMX in the chat brings up Floyd Mayweather. He's, you know, I understand Mayweather's a piece of shit person, but damn, he's a good boxer. Yeah, he is. And there's tons of people out there that are complete pieces of shit in real life that we don't even know about yet. Sure. Eventually, Hollywood, TMZ will bring it out eventually. Trust me. But yeah. Might have a great example on your hands coming up in a few days, man. I mean, Donald Trump, complete piece of shit. If in four years he ended up being a great president, you can't, you can easily separate that. I know I can. I'll never like the guy personally, but if he's good, he's good. Which I doubt he's going to be shit. But you know. well, I don't know. I wasn't in the mood for politics tonight. So on that, I'll just say, let's just see what the fuck happens in the next few months, and we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah, D.L. Hughley, he, um, hate he him. took a... Dude, he shits on him on a daily basis on his, on his Instagram. I, you know, I, look, I said you know certain things D.L. Hughley and his political views I do agree with, but I can't stand him as a comic. I can't. I can't stand him as a comic. And you know what, Steve Harvey? Steve Harvey is a good person. He's a shitty comic, in my opinion. That doesn't mean he's not a good person. I don't, you know, it's, it's, you know, listen, it, it, it's just that way. Some people, I just don't care for what they do. If they're good people, great. That's awesome. I love good people. You know, that's what you should be doing. If you have the money to be, you know, contributing to charities and a good person, awesome. I don't have the money. But, you know, if you're a shitty comic, in my opinion, what 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 I believe is funny, again, that's my opinion, I think you're a shitty comic. I'm glad you're a good person. I, I appreciate that. But, you know, shitty is shitty to me. But I can definitely separate and appreciate the person you are for what you do. And everyone should be able to. Like I said, Shaheen, I think 2017 should be the year of uh, lighting the fuck up. What do you think? Yeah, I think 2016 should have started that. Yeah, but I think we need to really put it out to 2017, lighten the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) I think 2017 is going to be a year of a lot of racial... Tension between between Americans. To be honest with you, you're already starting to see it. I I, uh, I think people will lighten up as far as being PC because they're gonna, you know the the president is going to be like he un- has no filter. Un- you know, he's going to be uncensored, so gonna people be, are going to be feel more comfortable to come out of the shell and say whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, I'm not sure how long that's going to last, man. No, I really. No. What scares me about Trump is let's be honest. Whenever somebody says something about him, especially on Twitter. He instantly replies. Yeah, he's got to stop think, that. Think about that shit for a minute. Say what you want about Obama and you know him being like you know Saturday Night Live and doing all the shit he was doing, but at at his core, he still came across as a very intelligent, articulate human being that didn't engage people online. Mm-hmm. So just imagine having a president of this country. People already think he's a joke as is. Yeah. So now you're going to have a guy. Anytime somebody says something about him, he's going to get on Twitter and bitch about it. 
I dude really, keyword keyword human being. Yeah, yeah. I really think once he is a not like once the inauguration takes place, you're gonna see a different Donald Trump. They are going to form him, mold him, and turn him into. Uh, who the, you're gonna see a robot Trump soon? I really believe that. Nah, I could be nah. wrong, and let me tell you what: if 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 I'm wrong, they're gonna find a way to impeach this fucking guy. They're nah, gonna, dude, I, th- oh, I think he's gonna yeah. do his four years, and and it's he's gonna be unfiltered, and he's gonna get himself in some shit. Well, the Republicans are gonna hate him. Well, I I they already do, but I I 100% agree with you that I I think we're gonna have a very tough year if he doesn't start getting filtered with racism hate and it's going to be a not only a tough year but a tough four years so let's hope they do rein his ass in turn him into uh robo prez trump and tell him you can't do this you can't say that this this you stay on fucking script and you say this and uh if not um i i'm a little worried i'm a little bit worried but uh you know all you can do is wait and see what happens but i really feel we're going to get a different trump once that inauguration happens i do i do i think they're going to fucking really uh, you know to put the whip to him for lack of a better fucking term and uh, rein him in. And if I'm wrong, goddamn, there's going to be a fucking sea of concealed weapons permits. Yeah, that was definitely. If you got people already getting pulled out their cars because they got because of who they uh, decide to uh, support politically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, yeah. It's it's it, it it's it's already a little bit scary right now, but um, it's becoming a reality to people. But you know, while we're on this, can I? I might. I I don't think I'm gonna rant, but let me just say this: all the celebrities out there that are oh <laughs> that are anti-Trump uh, and making these these videos and saying they're gonna leave this country, stop, stop. You do not go through any of the fucking problems that us real people go through that are living check to fucking check. You are not going through the same problems we are. You people are fi- are high on your fucking horses. You people have money to do what you want. You can go where you want. Not... All of us in this fucking country do. You people making these fucking... You actors making these fucking videos are doing nothing but making us want to go against you. Against you. I'm sorry. I can't stand it. The fucking Golden Globes... I didn't watch much of it, but every speech was political. And I say, fuck these actors that are making political speeches. You're entertainers. Elvis had the brains to say, I'm an entertainer. No one wants to hear what I have to say on politics. 
that was back in the 19 fucking 70s and it should still apply today. So to all you actors making videos that you're against Trump, you're going to leave this fucking country. Bye. <laughs> Have a nice fucking trip. Uh, go fuck yourselves. When you're living check to check, you can fucking then fucking, you know, tell me what your thoughts are and I'll have a fucking opinion on it and care. Till then, go fuck yourselves. But anyway, I just wanted to say that. Yes. At at this point, I I value uh, Virgil's uh, political opinions more than Meryl Streep's. That's where I stand on things. And you know that that that's one of the main people. Meryl Streep went out there and did this and did that. Fuck you. She was the same one that was fucking standing Roman Polanski. That pedophile piece of shit. Roman Polanski she gave a standing ovation to. Donald Trump, though, is fucking evil. When a pedophile you'll stand stand you do a standing ovation for fuck you you hypocritical cunt yes i said the c word hypocritical cunt i'm sorry did i did i go off the hinges there for a second sorry no that's yeah you know, that's actually been a major topic of discussion this week it, I, I don't watch the award shows like i used to but that was a big t- i didn't even care enough to Go back and see what all of the fuss was about. But I heard she just kind of went off the rails. I mean, she was getting like, I heard she was like getting what a lifetime achievement award and talked about none of her movies, none of her accolades. No. It was just like Trump. a political rant. It was anti fucking Trump. And yeah, I don't know. These actors need to fucking stay out of it. Again, these, these aren't the people, the, 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 these, these actors are not average Americans. Living check to check, which, let's face it, most Americans are living check to check. Yes. That's how it works. And they're not. They've got millions of fucking dollars. Yeah. You're talking about leaving the country while, you know, like you said, an average American, they don't have the option. I'm pretty sure there's plenty of people that would love to move to Canada or Zimbabwe or fucking I, wherever the fuck. They would love to move off the grid, but they don't have the funds to do that. Dude, I'm not lying. If if I had my choice, I'd move to Switzerland. It's fucking gorgeous. Have you ever seen the fucking pictures of Dude. Switzerland? Mountains, fucking gorgeous. I would. But you know what? I don't have the fucking money. You actors who make 20 fucking million a movie, you have it. You know what? Go fuck yourselves, you pretentious son of a bitches. Dude, you know what? what? Coming from a guy that lived in, in different continents... Mm-hmm. It's it's easy for people that, that never really lived in other countries to say that. Mm-hmm. Believe me, you don't want to live in other countries. Like if if you're a middle class person, like you're not gonna, you can't open your own business in Germany unless you're really German. Like it's it, dude, it's it's rough. There's not that many opportunities. People think it's just because you know a, a certain country's gorgeous, it's a good country to live in. Right. Like Greece is beautiful mm-hmm. economically. They're fucked right now. <laughs> you know. Exactly. I would love to live in Greece, but. I mean, probably not a good choice. No, I mean, really, if I had money out the ass, I would be in Florida anyway. To be honest with you, I know oh, you're, you're a brave man. I'm a brave man with a lot of guns. Florida's my state. <laughs> <laughs> That's the recipe to success in Florida, man. That's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> Bath salt and guns. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I don't know. I I just you know I I every time I turn on Facebook, there's another actor. I mean, look, I <laughs> I love De Niro. De Niro to me is a, a an excellent actor. He's been in some of my favorite movies. You know, this is my favorite movie. <laughs> so, look, Goodfellas, fucking Bronx Tale. I can keep going, but to sit there and say, I'm gonna fucking leave the country if uh, you know uh, Trump. You know, uh, who cares? Who cares? No one fucking cares. I I, I just don't. And you know, it's just all these actors are coming out and saying they're gonna leave. I mean, there's like, there's literally a list of actors that are gonna leave the country once <laughs> Trump gets inaugurated. You know what? Let's see how. Ma- Even Miley Cyrus came out and said, "Well, I'm not leaving. I know I said I was going to, but <laughs> U.S. all the way." <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Who's really Did she gonna make a song about leave? America? Like a year ago? I don't know. Her dad's like a big country music patriot, so whatever. Ugh. But I don't know. Just, again, you know, to, to just wrap up my little, I guess it turned out to be a rant. These actors are not the average American. The average American doesn't want to hear your pretentious bullshit. And you're really causing people to do the opposite of what you say. I know probably zero actors worth of shit are listening to this show, but I wanted to get it off my chest anyway. Yeah, it's just like unless you can relate to a person's situation and what they're going through, you just don't go there. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you know, perfect example. Like when I go to a funeral, for example, somebody's you know somebody's uh you know mother or they lost a parent, for example. If I still had my parents, the first thing I'm not going to say is. Bro, I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Because I have my parents still. Yeah. You, you're burying your parent. So it's kind of like you have to you have to know, you have to be able to relate before you open your mouth on a particular subject. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're getting with a lot of these people. They're making these grandiose statements more or less to keep themselves you know, relevant. Because I recall a lot of people saying they were going to leave the country if he was elected president. He's been elected president for a couple months now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And, and and everybody last I checked is still an American citizen. Yeah, a, yeah, I'm sure a lot of them. Boxman, sure. quick question. Yep. Do you know who uh, Insane Lane is? No, I do not. Anthony, you know who that is? Yeah. Uh, did you see the rant that he went on? Uh, no. <laughs> I could imagine, but no. All right. Uh, maybe I should save this for, for the Wednesday show because it's it's mostly wrestling related, but it goes into racism. Yeah, uh, uh, J.K. posted about this, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I know what you're talking about. Yeah, basically, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll go into it in, in depth on on Wednesday, but basically, this guy fucking went on Facebook, and this is after the whole thing happened in Chicago with um those dudes in Chirac like kidnapping a. a Mentally challenged white kid and, you know, saying yeah, racial slurs to him and, and, you know, cutting his scalp and all kinds of fucking Yeah, we brought that up last shit. week. Yeah, we, me and Anthony brought that up last week. Yeah, so this this is the day after this happened. Mm-hmm. This dude goes on, on Facebook and says, delete me if you want. 
But these people saying that kidnapping and beating of that mentally challenged white guy in Chicago as in a hate crime makes me want to listen to some Johnny Rebel songs. Triggered? Good. Get the fuck out of here with your bitch ass. No, I, I didn't know who Johnny Rebel is. You know, I, I checked it out and I do. Couple, like, yeah, I do. That's enough said. I actually, I do have his album. Jesus Christ. No, I Howard Stern used to play it all the time. Howard Stern. I've, used to I've play never that. listened to that shit, but <laughs> it's it's. I mean, <laughs> I mean, do you want me to play some of it for you? Is it all racist shit? Yes. So why would I want to hear it? Well, I mean, not everyone out there has heard of Johnny Rebel, but it is. All of his songs. I wish I never did hear him. Fuck that guy. I mean, N-word after N-word in every song of his. So just put it that way. But uh, let me hear Quick list. The 23 celebrities said they'll leave the country if Trump wins. I'm not going to name them all. I'll name some uh, some some highly noted Notable ones. ones. Yeah, uh, John Stewart, uh-huh. Nev Campbell. Please keep your giant tits here. By the way, um, Keegan Michael Key. Bye. Go ahead, leave. Al Sharpton. Get the fuck out. Bye. <laughs> bye. Have a nice day. Eddie Griffin. You're a great comic, but. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Griffin said he'd move back to Africa. <laughs> I saw him live. I, I like Eddie Griffin. Uh, Spike Lee. Mm. I'm a, uh, uh, I like Spike, but damn, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam Jackson. He's got to fucking stay, motherfucker. Stay, motherfucking Sam, motherfucking that motherfucker Jackson. Got to stay. Don't get on that motherfucking plane. Yeah, George Lopez. Later. Barbara Streisand, bye. Raven Simone, bye. Oh yeah, fuck her. Dude. Whoopi Goldberg, see ya. Um, Miley Cyrus, just give us a full nude pic and take off. Amy Schumer, later, bitch. Oh, that bitch, that that bitch at the sky. I, I can't even believe Ziggler claims that one. Ugh. Mm, yeah, yeah. So there's a few of them that uh, never that are still here. I mean, Amy Schumer's. Doing fucking commercials right now, so speaking of one dimensional, you brought up one dimensional. My fuck, does she have any material beyond you know men are pieces of shit? You know, I play with my pussy all day. Talk about one dimensional. Have you ever listened to one of her acts? Yes, her other one dimension is how how, uh, she's a slut. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's that's woman comedy nowadays. There's sluts and and here's really funny woman comedy. White girls do black guys. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> Jesus no, Christ. it's not, is it? It's not funny. No. That's the problem. <laughs> it's funny the first time you hear it, but once once again, once that becomes the general, you know, consensus, the general uh theme of your act, time after time it, it stops being funny. Yeah, that's like Lisa Lampanelli's whole act is that she's banged black guys. And it's funny. That's her whole act. So, which because I'm white you know, and he's black and he has a big dick. Yeah, he's got a giant cock. Get it, people? Laugh. Funny. It's funny. Uh, anyway, I think it's time to uh, wrap this bitch up. Wrap this bitch up. What do you say, Shaheen? You got anything else you want to uh, you want to jump in with? No, no. All right. 
Hey Shaheen, while you're here, you can do you can do your plugs for us. All right, check us out Wednesday night, <laughs> nine thirty p.m. Eastern time, right here, same channel, mixler.com slash THD podcast. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash THD podcast. Follow us on Twitter, same handle, and go on iTunes. Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and YouTube. Hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and uh, check out Wrestling Soup and Yakuza Kick Radio. And uh, I guess next week you guys will be doing it at the same time, right? Friday night, yep. 11.30 p.m. Eastern? That's it. Got it. Goddamn right. Same channel, Mixler.com slash THD Podcast. And subscribe to them on iTunes, Stitcher, same places, uh, THT Movie Review. Damn. I didn't mean ours, but hell yeah. Uh, before we leave, BMEGS asks one quick question. Do you guys find any women stand-up funny? I do find a few funny. Um, it's when they start conforming to the this is what all men find funny. And when it comes to just the, again, the comics we just said. But there are a few funny, very funny women out there. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, most of them are the, the, the newer comics coming out that aren't conforming to that. Yeah. So there you go. Sold out Sarah, Sarah, slurring my words. Silver, Silver, Sarah Silverman was hilarious. She's funny. Um, she sold out, but yeah, she did. I hate her. Unfortunately, that that that's what happens. These women all sell out and they all conform. Um, it's just what happens. But anyway, on that note, we are going to get out of here. We will see y'all next week. Shaheen, great job at plugs. So glad you're here for those. <laughs> Take it easy, Anthony. I will see you next week at the same. Bat time on the same bat channel, and that's mixer.com slash THD podcast. There you Peace. go. Later, folks.